Thank you so much for that, Terry. I want to see what has happened to Terry with this church family happen just as many times as we possibly can. I hope you're just amen in that. Uh, You know, it's interesting. Last week when Ryan was preaching, he mentioned the church, you know, kind of breathes. You know, where the church gathered and the church scattered. But today, where the church scattered and gathered at the same time. And I don't know that I ever would have foreseen that happening. But thank you for tuning in and being with us today. So many of you who've been through our starting point class, and that's hundreds of you have. And and starting point class, by the way, is for those of you who are checking us out and would like to just hear more about our mission and vision, who we are, what we're trying to accomplish, and where your starting point is and how to engage with this church family and join us if that's what you're here for. And we have one of those coming up. You can sign up online. But many of you who've been through that class have heard me talk of this story of a man who was walking, and he comes upon an archer who is shooting arrows into the side of the barn. And he was amazed because in the side of the barn, there's a, you know, a dozen or so targets painted on the side of that barn. And smack dab in the middle of every single target was an arrow. There weren't any stray arrows. There weren't any on the ground. This guy hit the bullseye every single time. So he, he had to ask, hey, sorry to interrupt, but how is it that you hit the bullseye dead on every single time. And the archer confidently says, oh, it's easy. Watch. And he pulls out an arrow and he shoots it in the side of the barn. Then he runs up to the barn, grabs a paintbrush and paints a target around the arrow that he just shot into the side of the barn. And I tell that story just to explain that too often that is what the church has done. We, we shoot our arrows, our ministry efforts, you know, what we're trying to do in the general direction of good or what we see as godly or what we see as biblical. And then after we shoot it at that big target of the barn, we run up and we paint the target around it. And we act like that's ex- we're just sure that's exactly what God is trying to accomplish through us at a, as a church. And I'm really grateful that We have a church leadership here at Southwest that for the better part of two decades before I got here, they've gone to scripture and and more specifically to Jesus in scripture, the head of the church, to find out what that target should be. We want to let Jesus paint that target. And then I know I do not often hit the bullseye. I, I know we, maybe we rarely hit the bullseye dead on, but at least we know We're shooting at the right target. We're aiming for the right thing of what Jesus wants us to do. So today we are wrapping up our six-week beginning of the year series in which we've been examining our brand new vision statement that we exist as a church in order to love first, become like Jesus, and uh, what's that last part? Oh yeah, advance his mission, which is what I'm talking about today. So these concepts, these three concepts are not new for us. But the leadership really did feel it was important to, you know, update our language and even our logo to declare to the world more clearly and to the world, but to each other, what our target is, what we are about. So we spent two weeks on each phrase and I can't hope to improve on what Ryan Porsche, another one of our ministers did last week in introducing advance his mission. But I do want to add a verse to that, to what he shared. So let me finish this series by answering two questions. What is Jesus's mission? Just as concisely as I can, I want to answer that. And why should you advance it? Why should you do that? What's, what's the motivation 
for you to do that. So what is it? It should come as no surprise to anyone that we get our best sense of what the mission of Jesus is from Jesus. We look into the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is the four accountings of the story of his life. And I started thinking through as I was preparing for today, what are some of those statements that he made? The, this is why I'm here statement, or this is why I've come statements. And a few of them came to mind that I think can give us a powerful uh, remembrance of what his mission is. If we're going to advance his mission, we need to know what it is. And so anyone who knows me well knows that the first one that floats to the top of my brain is John 10.10. 10, when Jesus just powerfully says, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. This is where I start with everyone when I'm explaining what Jesus wants for them. When I talk to the world, he wants you to have what you want. And that's the most abundant, the best possible life that's available to a human being. And the beautiful part is when you engage in his mission, when you, when you receive that life that he came to give you, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It's not like you're invulnerable to it, but you have a quality and a fullness and abundance of life inwardly that can handle anything, including pandemics, let alone everything else that comes our way. So Jesus came to give people the best fullest possible life. That's what Jesus came for. So that's what we're here for, to offer that to people. We are both recipients of why he came and then ambassadors to others of why he came. So what's that life made up of? Another verse that came to mind is in Luke chapter 19. It's another one of the epic statements of Jesus when he's saying why he came. It says, for the son of man, and son of man is just Jewish code for Jesus or the Messiah or the Savior. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. When we hear that word lostness, we think in terms of our sin that has broken our relationship with God. We think of our salvation, where we're going to be for eternity. The story that we live in, we believe, goes beyond the grave. And beyond the grave, we want to be in the kingdom of heaven. We want to be in the kingdom of God with him. And so right before he makes this statement, he literally says to a man, salvation has come to this house. So the churchy word for this is often called justification. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He justified us. He, he provided a bridge for that relationship, this, this vertical relationship, the one that sin broke between us and God, he came and he offered, to, uh, he, he offered himself in order to justify us. So this has to do with eternity, okay? That's part of the most abundant life is knowing that your eternity is secure. So that's what he came for and to offer us, and that's what we're to offer to others. It's our mission too. So again, we're both the recipient of his mission and ambassadors of his mission. And then in the book of Luke earlier, another element of the fullest possible life that he came to give, another epic statement of Jesus. And this is in a story where Jesus is actually at church, Jewish church, I guess, in the synagogue. And he's doing the traditional reading of a text from the Old Testament scrolls. And he reads from Isaiah, but he reads it differently than any teacher or rabbi had ever read it. He read it like I visualize him reading it as if he wrote it. He for sure read it in the first person as if this was about him. So the first time in history it was read this way, and this is what he said he came for. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me 
because he has appointed me to what? To preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to release the oppressed. So what we see here in this statement of Jesus is he is, he is announcing that he came to help the hurting here on earth while they're on earth. He came for that. There's more categories, but he uh, represented it here by naming the poor and the prisoner and the blind and then threw a pretty wide net on the oppressed. And so this is often called justice, right? Justification is for our eternal destination. Justice is our work in the meantime for the here and now. That's what this has to do with. So that's what Jesus came to do, and that's what we're to do on his behalf. So again, his mission is given to us, and then we are ambassadors of it for others. So Jesus's mission is to offer the best possible life, and that involves justification and justice. Justification, which is this restored and healed vertical relationship with God that has to do with eternity. And then justice, which is us living a life of restoring and healing horizontal relationships with people. So that's a, there's a lot of specific ways. And Ryan introduced you to some of the ways that you could do it here with us. Because there's an individual aspect of this. And then there's a communal aspect of this. You are called to do this. And we are called to do this in unity. And so um, that is a, there's lots of ways to do it. But that's a good description of what our work is. What the mission that we're supposed to advance is. Now, why? Why would we do this? Why would we advance his mission? Why not just advance our own agenda, our own vision? You know, why, why, why not pick? Why not pick and choose what we want, what mission we want to advance? Why should we advance his? That's what his is. Why should we do it? Well, the first one, I like going to Paul for this because he was one of those followers that decided to follow Jesus and advance his mission. Okay, he decided to do that. So sprinkled all through his letters, you find some of the motivation that he thinks you can have. And the first one's in Ephesians chapter 2. And it's because you were created for it. You were created for this mission. That's why we want to advance it. It says there in Ephesians 2, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Built into each one of us is the desire to be a part of something larger than us. A lot of people try a lot of different things to satisfy that built-in need. But what God is saying, what Paul is saying, is that you'll find that finally fulfilled when you use your gifts and your energy and your resources to give yourself to the thing that is larger than you, that's larger than anyone, and that's the story of God and the advancing of his kingdom. So that's reason number one. You were created for it. Reason number two is you were called to it. Same book, Ephesians, a couple chapters later, Paul says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Okay, so this just lets me know God has called you to this mission as well. So it's working inside of you because you were created for it, and, it's, and God is working outside of you, calling you to it. It's everywhere. So that's the second reason. The last reason is because, and this is so interesting, you have been placed right where you are by God in order to do your role in this mission. 
Isn't this interesting? This, is, this just blew my mind and changed my life. It's in 1 Corinthians. Paul, again, he's talking. And he says, in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Why? Because you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. Each one of you is a part of it. So you thought you were deciding. It was strictly your decision where to live when to be born. Well, you didn't decide that, but you know what I mean? You thought it was just random chance. You know, there's specific reasons. Even the church, when you were church shopping, you might've thought that was just you at work. No, God is at work. His Holy Spirit is arranging the parts of his body, the body of Christ, right where he wants them to be. So you were created for it. You were called to it. And you've been placed right where you are in order to accomplish it. He's behind you. He wants this to happen, his mission, more than you ever will. But we want to join him in that. So I've got a bonus question to answer here. And that is, so how? How do I advance the mission? Now, first, let me just say, this has got to be the most life-giving, exciting question in my walk of faith. Is to ask God consistently and, and epically over the course of my life, what do you want me to do? Not, and not just cosmically, like where do you want me to live? What people do you want me to pursue? Who do you want me to be around? Which church should I place membership at in order to accomplish what you're calling me to do? That's cool. But also, God, what do you want me to do today? So the micro question daily and then the macro question for epic decisions, you know, like who should I marry? Well, you just, just all these kind of things. This, I, I'm going to tell you, this part of my walk with God has next to the assurance of eternity with him has got to me the most life-giving part, the most abundant, fullest part of walking with God. I love this part. So let me just ask you, are you asking that question? Because there, there's legions of sermons to talk about how you could advance his mission. There's lots of things. We talk about that quite often, but it starts here. Is a part of your walk with God an actual walk with God? Is a part of your relationship with God an actual relationship with God? That's what he wants. That's what you were designed for. And I believe that is the beginning of figuring out how. Okay, here's his mission. Okay, here's why I should do it. How do I do it? It begins with a legit, actual relationship and walk with God. That's what it comes from. So a couple of things we have in place to help you, to help you plug into the mission of God. Ryan told you that we converted the North Foyer, not relevant for you today, but we did convert the North Foyer. Uh, the small group central has become mission central, and there are literally dozens of jobs that we need done in our local church here. And I really encourage you to go by and see that. And we have that online as well. You can right after this, just go to our website and you can peruse all those same jobs right there. And there's a way to sign up there. Just follow the instructions and you'll be contacted shortly to talk about the possibility of how you could be a part of the mission here. But another idea we have for you is we provide a class a couple times a year called Equip and Send. It's a two-part class. And Equip, it's with me, and I'll spend a half day with you on a Sunday. 
And it will be, equip is about equipping you with the five skills of making disciples through relationships. And then send, we'll do that a couple weeks later. And send is about you really exploring, okay, what are my gifts? What are my passions? What are my desires and talents and what opportunities might be out there in my life. And it's, it's us coming alongside you to kind of create a space to really kind of evaluate that. It's a really fun time and you can sign up for that online as well. So church, let's not make it any more complicated than this. Here's your target. Love first, become like Jesus and advance his mission. Okay. So let's shoot for that. Let's shoot for that. We might not hit the target perfect every time. Grace abounds. That's fine. But at least we know the target that we're after. Now, before we finish up, I want to basically re-announce what Doyle announced at the beginning. We actually know for a fact some of you have tuned in later in our service because we're tracking you. Big Brother's watching. I'm just kidding. We can just see the numbers going up and down. But I do want to reiterate this to you just so that you know, because it's a big change for us. So three weeks from today, that's March 7th, we are making that move of, going, of offering two worship services. We're not making this decision lightly at all. We've been thinking about it for a while. We knew this day would come where people would start coming back. But we are making it swiftly because that has happened in the last month. And we've realized, okay, it's here. And so we are going to be offering these two worship services. And if anything 2020 has taught us, it's to be agile, okay? And we'll need to remain agile because we don't know what's to come. But we do imagine that this will solve our numbers problem here. While we have the COVID restrictions, we are kind of getting packed out with those restrictions. So we're going to go to two services. We will actually, uh, the timing of our classes and our second service are the same. We're just adding an 815 service. So like Doyle encouraged you at the beginning, we want you to be thinking about which service you might go to. We're going to need some people to alter their rhythm and go to that early service so that we can make room for each other. So uh, our heroic children's ministry will be offering kids praise during both those services. Again, we'll see how that goes and uh, evaluate. But if you have children right now, you can choose to go to either one. So that's the main reason is we need more space with our COVID restrictions. We foresee this being a temporary solution. We've kind of put the finish line of a couple of months before we reevaluate unless everything changes and we can reevaluate before that. So the second main reason is because on March 7th, that day we're going to two services just because, you know, we don't want to make anything too easy on ourselves. We are inviting our friends and our neighbors to come. Uh, We're doing a three-week series that we think is very timely, especially in light of this pandemic that we're in. And we want you to invite people. Now, you might ask, why would we invite guests now? (laughs) Like when we're distancing. We've got masks on. We can't even tell who is a guest sometimes. Why would we do that? Because this seems like the worst time for anyone to want to try a new church family. But we have found over these months since we've reopened this summer, we've had first time guests almost every week. Leadership's just been amazed. It's almost like, it's almost like even with our restrictions, they're coming and they're being a part and they're checking it out. It's almost like this massive cultural thing that's happened to us has woken up for some people the need for like a larger story to explain and orient them on how to handle stuff like this. 
And maybe even more importantly, it has heightened their sense of loneliness. It was already a problem pre-pandemic with the high-tech way that we live. You can have a 1,000 friends and 2,000 followers and still be alone. You can still be alone. So we're going to be doing this series on the loneliness pandemic. And so we want to, uh, it'll be good for all of us, but we are specifically asking you to invite people. And I, I notice I'm not saying invite your friends. You can invite your friends. But if they're your friends, they're, maybe they're not lonely, you know. But I want you to have your radar on and see if God, over the next couple of weeks, doesn't put someone that's already been in your line of sight or puts them in your line of sight. And, and maybe you need to invite them. Man, do you, need a, do you need a group of people? Do you need a church home? Man, come. Would, would you come to this? We're going to be talking about all this pandemic stuff and the loneliness that it's caused and the need. You know, way back at the beginning, like the Bible starts, one of the statements right at the beginning is, it is not good for man to be alone. And we've learned that to be true. And we've learned that on steroids during the pandemic. So please invite people. Um, and then the last thing I want you to know is, or address is the space problems like right now. So why are we waiting two weeks? Well, that's the last thing I want to tell you that's coming up. For the next two weeks, we are focusing on, and if you've been here a while, you know we do this every year, two weeks on our priority of intergenerational relationships. So that's usually in association with this awesome event called the Tribe Retreat that is just like awesome every year. Because of COVID, we're not going to be doing that, but we don't want to lose sight of this very big priority of our church family of, of encouraging relationships. Even as we silo into our little age groups and, and season of life groups naturally, we want to go against what naturally is happening there and keep intergenerational relationships going. So the next two weeks, I'm very excited that we're going to be focusing on that priority. And so if you can, for the next two weeks, since we... we we do have this space problem, but we did have space. We still have space. Jeremy has cleared out some more room up in the balcony. We know there's some people that live and die by going to the balcony. You guys, weird and crazy, but there you are. And if you can, if you're down here and you don't like it up there, if you are able to make it up those steps, if you don't mind, for two weeks, we just need two weeks to get through because we don't want to separate for this intergenerational focus that we're going to have. All right, so... um one last thing I want to tell you. So I've gotten to, I've been wanting to say this this whole series. So I'll just close out with this. I've gotten to spend a lot of time with this vision statement, just thinking about it, contemplating it, thinking of teachings for it, and, and just what it means. And it's really embedded deep in my heart, and I love it. But one of the things I love about these fr- three phrases is the natural relationship each phrase has with the other two. Just follow me here. Anyone who sets themselves out to be a love first person, just the first phrase, well, that is inherently becoming like Jesus, and that is inherently the first step of advancing his mission. And let's say you skip the first one, you go to the second one, and you say, I want to become like Jesus. Well, if you start setting your mind to becoming like Jesus, to conforming your heart, character, mission, and priorities with him, well, then, obviously, Because he was on mission, if you're being like him, you're going to be advancing his mission. And because he was love first, you're going to be naturally working on love first. And if you work on this last one, to advance his mission, you can't advance his mission without being a love first person, which is like Jesus. And so I love, I just love this. I love that if you work on any one of them, that you're working on all three. And so 
it's clarifying to me to zoom in like we have these last six weeks on what's distinctive about each one. That's kind of our discipleship pathway, the connect, connecting to God and to church, growing, right? Becoming more like Christ as an individual and with my church family, and then advancing his mission and going and advancing his mission in the world and with our church. That's clarifying to me, but it's also beautiful to pull back and just go, if I focus on any one of these, I am naturally going to be involving myself in the other two. So like back in the good old days when we were only doing online, I've got some questions for you to engage with. If you have company there in your living room with your family, if you're alone, you can just pray through these. But here's some questions that just go right along with our vision statement. So we'll leave those on the screen for you to, uh, to pray through or converse about. And if, if you are alone and you need a touch, please call anyone in leadership or a friend. And if you know someone who's alone, you might reach out to them later today and just check on them and make sure that they're good. There's thick snow out there and it's cold. And so we're glad you're able to stay home, be warm, but let's be sure and uh, connect with each other. Church, we love you. Thank you so much for gathering with us in this way. And God bless.